We've made it, everybody. After three months of waiting, Formula One is all revved up and ready for go for the ready to go for the 2022 season. Hello and welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast, everybody. This is episode number 174, where we'll be previewing the 2022 Bahrain Grand Prix. I'm your host, George Housen, and joining me today is host of the Monkey Seat podcast, Tom Horrocks. Hello. Host of the DNF DNF1 podcast, Adam Burns. Hi. And engineering graduate, Owen Medford. Hello. So, lads, let's start with uh, with the drivers' champions from last year, Red Bull Racing. Tom, uh, they have the fastest time in testing. Last year in Bahrain, I would say they had the fastest car as well. But are they the favourites going into this round? Because there's a few teams, most notably Ferrari, that have kind of joined the fray at the top of Formula One uh, going off the testing times uh, we've seen over the last week or so. Well, I think uh, Ferrari have uh, definitely maintained their position as testing champions once again, but uh, they, they seem to have done that pretty much every year since I've been watching Formula 1, certainly in the turbo hybrid era. They seem to be the team that, that push forward, uh, Byron maybe 2014, and always seem to be every year the Tafosi are saying, yes, well, it's Ferrari's year this year, and it never seems to be, or certainly not in the last decade anyway. So uh, it's it's definitely been promising for Ferrari, but I do think that that Red Bull have uh, have really laid down a gauntlet on the last day with with what they what they produced, and there's obviously a lot more to come from other teams, which I'm sure we'll get onto later on. But I think if you're talking about those two teams, there, I would say at the moment you've probably got the uh, the Red Bull is probably the slight favourite, but the Ferrari has, has got a car that I th- I think is going to be reliable, steady, and maybe over the course of a season might be more kind of suited to more tracks, whereas a Red Bull maybe more track dependent, a bit more peaky, a bit like the Williams last year but uh, obviously with a bit bit more to it than that uh, so I, I think yes Red Bull definitely the uh, for me are the favourites at the moment and obviously that would then mean Max Verstappen because we know that uh, it, despite what he thinks Perez probably isn't going to get a look in there but uh, I do think the Ferrari is definitely going to be strong yeah, Ferrari looking very impressive in testing. Red Bull, obviously the fastest. The Max Verstappen sent it in the fastest time of the three-day test on the third day. On the fastest tyres, though, some of the cars behind him not on the fastest tyres. Uh, we can't read mu- too much into testing times, though, Wayne. I mean, it's more about the miles that the teams do. And unsurprisingly, it is Mercedes-Benz who have set the most laps during Bahrain testing, 385 overall, which is something like six race distances. Very impressive from them. How, how do you see them going into this? Because they themselves have admitted, and Sir Lewis Hamilton as well has admitted, that he doesn't think the Mercedes are the fastest. But then again, they always say this, and they're always there or thereabouts. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a certain amount of it that you don't know what to believe when it comes to Mercedes. Obviously, like you say, they've um, you know, they've, they, they've said this before. They've looked shaky in pre-season, particularly, I think, 2019. Uh, and, you know, they've pulled the same tricks all over again where the second test, they come along with a heavily revised package and we wonder where it was hiding from. Um, I think, to be, you know, um, there's a certain amount of me that thinks, yeah, Mercedes did look um, a little sort of um, under pressure, but they've done the mileage. Um, you know, they've they've not had any real reliability issues to, to speak of. Um, I think they're one of the only teams not to, not to have really had that many issues at all. Um you know, not even a spin or anything like that that I saw. Um, and it's one of those things where I think Mercedes, you know, they may be uh, they're sort of worried about it now or you look at the test now and they're not doing so well. Um, and obviously it's not a huge amount of time between this test and the race, obviously, at the end of this week. Um, but there's a certain amount of it for me that thinks, 
you know, as much as they've got the porpoising issues and, you know, eyewitness accounts a, a couple of, uh, let's say, you know, a couple of weeks ago now, uh, said that they were probably one of the worst affected. And they did have what I looked, what looked to me like a, you know, reinforced floor and, and things like that to try and mitigate that. Um, but they are Mercedes AMG Formula One team. You know, they're the people who have won um, uh, construction champion, constructors championships eight times on the trot, even, you know, up against... Uh, people like Red Bull and uh, and Ferrari when they brought the fight to them, they know they know they know how to win championships, and um, you can bet yourself that uh, the people in Brackley um, they know what they're doing, um, and they they'll probably you know sort of prove us wrong um, for for believing what they say right now, where they they don't feel like they're on top of the car, um, and and even if it was true, um, they'll get on top of the car, they'll understand it, and at a certain point in the season, they say that they're, they're far from a race win. Um, but I don't think, you know, we can read too much into that, bearing in mind, they always seem to be far away from a race win and, uh, and at some point they will get one. Yeah. It's not necessarily just about having the fastest car. It's about using the car as best as possible through strategy, through the drivers and everything. And Mercedes has shown that. I mean, the, they've won, they've won the constructors championship eight times in a row, which is miles ahead of anybody else. They're going for a ninth this season. Sir Lewis Hamilton, of course, going for his eighth title this season as well. He'll be extremely fired up with how last season ended for him. Um, but speaking of fired up, I mean, I've mentioned them before just now. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts on, on Ferrari, Adam. There's a lot of optimism about, around them. They've clocked up a lot of miles in testing. They've looked extremely fast at times, for sure, despite potentially sandbagging. And with Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz in the car, could they challenge for the title this season? Is it a genuine possibility? Well, it's no secret that I'm a big Ferrari fan, George, so I certainly hope so. Um, I, I've tried not to get too carried away by the hype and the talk from the paddock. But I think one thing we can all agree on, and I think a lot of people in the paddock in F1 can agree on, is that Ferrari do look fast. And the car itself, they've not really had any reliability issues or any issues really whatsoever that required any sort of major works throughout the two tests. They covered the most miles of anybody in both uh, tests put together. And, you know, until the final day, it did seem that Ferrari looked the favourite going into the Bahrain Grand Prix. It looks like Red Bull might have just pipped them to that uh, with Perez and Verstappen both setting some very quick times themselves and obviously doing some good long runs. But, um, you know, traditionally people usually chuck in the usual caveats with Ferrari saying that they tend to run a little bit less fuel than the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull during their test programs. And we can't really account for the power modes that they run. But with this brand new engine that they've been raving on a lot about, and a lot of people seem to think that it's, you know, at the very minimum might have put them in that ballpark with Honda and Mercedes or Red Bull Mercedes, if you like. Um, Ferrari, have, it has been rumoured that Ferrari have decided to run a bit more fuel than they traditionally do in their testing programmes. Whether that's true or not, we'll have to wait and see. Um, they seem to have dealt with the poor sin issue that they had in Catalonia and seem to have you know, found some sort of a solution with the floor on that one, whether that will continue in the race and other races we'll have to wait and see. But um, right now, if I was a betting man, I'd probably still bet on Red Bull, like Tom mentioned earlier, to win the first race of the season. But Ferrari are definitely in a position where they can mount a challenge this season. And of course, where Mercedes fit into that as well, we'll have to wait and see. But it, right now, it's looking good for Ferrari at this point in time. Yeah, especially if you compare it to last year as well. I mean, I remember last year we were uh, previewing the season, we were going over the preseason testing and Ferrari were, they didn't seem to really be anywhere, seemed to be consistent, but not particularly quick. And we thought, well, if that's the best they can do, they're in trouble. But 
for once, they seem to be more focused on the data side of things, which is done, what they've done this year. And it really worked for them last year, obviously getting third in constructors last year. Um, not quite the level they want, obviously, but this year they could they could be challenging for race wins going off of that, whether it be the first race or not, we'll have to see. Around a power track, certainly like Bahrain, it does not look slow. That Ferrari power unit looks as fast as all the others. Um, so I don't think they have any trouble there. It's how their aero is, which is very revolutionary with that front nose. I'm very interested to see how it's going to get on uh, on Saturday and Sunday uh, this weekend. Um, now, Tom, we got to go to your team, McLaren, my team as well. Um, I'm, I don't know what to really think of McLaren. Obviously, they've had some bad luck in that uh, Daniel Ricciardo was out for the testing in Bahrain. Obviously, he's contracted COVID. Hopefully, he'll be back for the weekend. That's not confirmed yet. I'm actually looking at the lap charts as well for um for all the teams. And McLaren are bottom. They've they only did 200 laps uh, throughout Bahrain testing, and I, I struggle to see a reason why. I don't remember many mechanical failures, but they only had around half the laps of Mercedes who had the most. Um, so what are your thoughts going into this season of McLaren? Is it are they are they perhaps are they, are they quick but not particularly reliable? What's your take on it? I think the issue with McLaren we've got right now is that uh, they have a very fast car. It's uh, speed-wise, certainly on raw pace at the moment, it seems on a, on a par with the Mercedes, probably just a little, little bit behind the Ferrari and the Red Bull. But they, they've got this issue with their, with their brakes where they just keep overheating, which has limited them to having very short runs because it was just causing overheating and failures. Uh, it's, it's, they have a fix for it, uh, from what I've been told anyway, uh, but they, they couldn't get it to the test. They could only get a makeshift to the, to the test test for for the uh for the second and third day so that should all all things being equal should hopefully be fixed by by the race or they certainly believe it will be fixed by the race so that that's problem one you know hopefully done and dusted it may well be a compromise which may affect their braking ability very slightly but it, it will at least be um, a fix that's not going to make them fail to complete the race second problem is definitely the problem with daniel ricardo even if he is fit is he going to be 100 percent? is he you know is he gonna he may feel fit but is he going to give a negative test we see you know especially with the way things are going at the moment i've i, I know friends that have been fine for a few weeks and keep constantly getting positive tests for covid so is he going to be allowed in the car even if he is fit and even if he is in the car it's like he's had hardly any pre-season testing he's had what a day and a half in the car so it's it's not it's not ideal at all for daniel in the season when he needs to come out on a personal level for him forgetting about the team he needs to come out fighting this year uh from the very first lap the very first race and he's he's already handicapped barring a little bit of luck I can't see him, even if he is in the car, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a slow start for him now and it's going to be a bit of an uphill climb for the rest of the season, given that Lando's going to have so much more time in that car. That's, he's just going to, he's going to know that car inside now and I know he didn't get a lot of laps in, which, is, uh, which has been problematic in itself, but equally just the amount of physical time he spent in and around that car compared to Ricardo, who's been in a hotel room in Bahrain for a week. It's uh, it's certainly not ideal at all. So, But I do think it, the signs are good for McLaren. I don't think they're going to be in a position where they can where they can challenge for race wins outright, uh, which is a slight disappointment. I was hoping they would be in that position, but I do think you've got uh, three teams that are going to be either ahead or with them, which means, you know, it's barring circumstances, some clever pit stops, a bit of luck. That's really going to be their only chance at winning race at the moment, but they are part of a big four. Uh, I think at the moment, no one else is with that top four at the moment, which given it's supposed to be this massive rule shakeup, which is going to really change the order. It's a bit disappointing to see that, Maybe 
you know, the only difference we've got is Red Bull and Mercedes will switch around. It's just a bit of a disappointment for the uh, for uh, for where we are, especially given that Red Bull pretty much had the best car last year anyway. They just didn't manage to convert it into a constructors' championship. So, bit bit of a disappointment in that sense, really. But it's still it's still looking great. Um, but say from from a from a McLaren point of view, I think it is looking good. It's looking rosy. But I, I, they just got a. It's just a bit of a false start to the season. But hopefully, it will come good around race two or three. Yeah, it is not what um, it's not what Ricardo needed really. Um, obviously, last season he struggled a lot for the for the most part of the season. He needed to get off to a good start. Whether he'll even be in the first race is unknown. Um, interestingly, uh, I think another thing we mentioned that uh, Oscar Piastri is the guy that will take his place if um, if Ricardo can't compete. Alpine have loaned him effectively to McLaren if they need to use him, which I think is cool. I think I'd like to see that he's a guy who should be in a Formula One seat, and we may see it this weekend, even if it's only just for one race. Um, so it's positive for him for sure. And we'd love to see Ricardo obviously in the car. You know, he's 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 the guy who needs to be in there the whole season and getting off to a good start. So uh, we'll see how it goes with McLaren. I uh, hope if they solve solve the reliability issues out, yeah, they could well be up there. But it's a, it's a big it's a big thing with the race, especially with a driver like Ricardo who <laughs> loves to stamp on the brakes and, and go for overtakes. So we'll see how that goes with them. Um, yeah, the, the top we've covered the big four, we've covered the top four, but going off the constructors last season at least, Alpine fifth place, we'll go with them next. And uh, I'm not really sure what to think about them, Owen. I mean, we do know obviously the car will be a very striking pink, it'd be like the old uh, racing points, it's got the BWT sponsorship all over the car. But aside from that, they're a bit of a mystery for me. I don't really know what to expect from them. They'll be hoping to be closer to the top than what they were before, challenging for podiums. Alonso will certainly be hoping for that. But is that a realistic aim going off what we've seen in testing? Um, I find it hard to tell you, honestly, because, uh, it, you know, they did a similar sort of, you know, Alpine did a similar sort of lap count um, to Red Bull. Um, yeah, Red Bull and, and Mullen Williams. Um, and it's kind of, I don't know, I feel like they should be able to, given that they should have had more resources, They, uh, you know, more t- sort of wind tunnel time, more CFD time. Um, they've obviously got, uh, should have a, a fully fulfilled budget um, by the big wigs at Renault. Um, you think that maybe that they, you, you'd think they'd sort of storm it. They're in a perfect position to where, where bearing in mind where they finish in the championship. Um, the only thing that maybe would be holding them back would um, be, be that Renault power unit um, and and the kind of staff that they can have. Um, I don't really know what to make of it. As far as I can tell, they didn't have any sort of, you know, they had the odd reliability issue here and there, um, particularly when it came to, uh, you know, with the, with the fire in, um, oh, sorry, the fire in Barcelona. Um, but at the Bahrain test, um, as far as I'm aware, it was business as usual. Um, they just didn't need, seem to get that many laps in. Um, and I think that's kind of where, obviously, you need to, you need to get laps in to, to, uh, to uh, understand the problems with your car. Um, and they just don't sort of have that many. Obviously, they, they've got the fourth most of everyone. Um you know, to put it in perspective, they've only got 60 more than Haas, and Haas only got, and, and Haas got, you know, an hour worse running than everyone else, and, and was setting the fastest times in the coolest part of the day, so um, I think there's a certain amount of it that's, uh, they're, they're in doubt for me, um, I've not seen anything that's sort of set the world alight times-wise, um, I know we can't read, you know, read too much into it, I mean, they got a one, you know, 132, um, which is fine, um, you know, a similar sort of pace to the Ferraris, I guess it just comes down to what sort of fuel loads they're running, and and what they feel able to do. Um, I, I think the real question is it's sort of up in the air, but you, you'd say that g- given the, the, the aces and the cap that they should have, um, you know, 
as much as I'm in doubt, um, I'm sort of holding a sort of you know in my back pocket uh, a bit of um, a bit of hope for them. I think they probably can um, ch- uh, ch- sorry uh, challenge for stuff, um, if not immediately though. Yeah, they're a difficult team to read for sure. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they were going particularly low on the fuel, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they're, if they're a lot more solid than last year. It's their big aim. There's a, they've put a lot of effort into this car, as have all the teams, obviously, but they put a lot of effort into this car. So we'll see how that ends up for them. Um, as we've just gone through the fifth place team in last year's constructors, I will mention that if you guys give us a five-star review on iTunes, you get a shout-out at the start of the show. And also give us a five-star review on Spotify as well. We won't give you a shout out for it because you can't leave your name, but we could, you know, we appreciate it, it, you know, that and it helps us in the rankings and everything. We've been going great guns. Like I was saying last year, we're going great guns on Spotify. It's been fantastic to watch. So thank you all for your support, honestly. And if you want to support the show some more as well, you can go to our, uh, go to our store on F1 Chronicle forward slash store and get some, get some t-shirts like the one I'm wearing. You get a, get a glass like the one I've got here. We're going to mug or any of that good stuff on there. So just check it out for that. And, uh, and yeah, so we'll move on to uh, Alpha Tauri. Um, they were sixth in last year's constructors. Um, the, the main takeaway I've seen from uh, Alpha Tauri, uh, Adam, was how bad the porpoise was on the car. Pierre Gasly looked like he was getting the ride of his life, bless him, on day one. But they were quick. They didn't set the fastest time on day one. Slid down the order as it went. Now, how do you see them getting on this year? Because they, they could have got fifth last year. They had a genuinely really fast car. But I think the biggest question mark is more over their, uh, their second driver. Yeah, very much so. And uh, yeah, absolutely. With the porpoise and issues, Alpha Tauri seemed to struggle more than most with that one. Uh, I certainly hope Pierre Gasly had some good hyperprofine on standby after he came back into the pits on his long runs. But um, it's an interesting one with Alpha Tauri. I don't think I saw anything from them that stood out to me as an eyebrow raiser or say, wow, this, this car looks really, really fast. It could potentially challenge some of the bigger teams in the same way that it did last season. And um you're absolutely right, George. They should have finished fifth in the Constructors' Championship. They had a car that could, on some circuits, not only challenge Ferrari and McLaren, but beat them on their day. They looked like they were really up there, especially in Pierre Gasly's hands. Um, that being said, there wasn't really any major issues for them other than the porpoising issue, which obviously is a more of a performance thing than a reliability issue. But obviously in a cost cap area, you want to avoid the damage that porpoising could cause to the floors, potentially, as it did in Catalonia. So um, they will need to address that. I think AlphaTauri right now, where they stand in the pecking order, they're probably going to be in a position right now where they may have to try and make sure that they capitalise on issues that some of their rivals in the midfield might be having at this point in time and get on the board early with some big points because I think over the course of the season, they might be up against it in terms of a development war if other teams have got better cars than them in terms of performance at the start of the season. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, it's going to be very interesting. And of course, what will be key is if Yuki Tsunoda can up his game. And what we saw in testing, he seemed to be quite happy and quite buoyant, reflecting on his experiences last year. He feels he's a better driver than he was last season. I certainly hope for his sake and for AlphaTauri that that is the case because they will be under pressure. But so far, I think they'll be relatively happy, but they'll be looking to try and take the opportunities early because I think those will be the best ones for them this season compared to their midfield rivals. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It'd be difficult to say where they are in the pecking order, Alphatari. Um, I think they might get caught by the likes of Aston Martin and maybe even Williams. But at the end of the day, for Sonoda particularly, if he can be closer to Alf, um, close to Pierre Gasly, that would be good for him. And I think those that have seen Drive to Survive, obviously Drive to Survive has just come out, Series 4. I've, we, we've binged quite a bit of it, a few of us, and I've seen all of it now. And it gave me a bit of an insight on Yuki Sonoda and, and why he struggled so much at first. I, I, you know, I do think he's in a lot better place this year. 
And I hope he can convert that into some better results. But he needs to hit the ground running because if he doesn't get some good results in the first part of the season, there'll be questions asked, which would be a bit unfair on him. But it's Formula One. It's absolutely cutthroat. They don't make exceptions for anybody, really. Um, but yeah, we'll move on to uh, Aston Martin next. Another team like Alpine that are hoping to join that top bunch. Um, in testing, I think they've had a, they've had some reliability issues, but nothing too major. They've still been up there in the lap charts and the amount of uh, laps they managed to do. Again, Tom, I think it was a solid, if unspectacular test from from Bahrain. They're a diff- again, they're another hard team to read where they are in the performance charts. But where do where do you see them being this weekend in Bahrain? It's this midfield is so hard to read because uh, outside the top four, you could I could I could make a case for every single driver and every single team to be either fifth or last. It just seems to be um, it's just it's it's just this midfield is is a mid to back of the field. I I, I have absolutely no idea where the, where these guys are. You, you can pretty much guess where the top four are, but beyond that, it's it's going to be so hard. And you know, it's. Aston Martin are just one that is just completely down the middle, and it's like I don't think they'll be fifth, but I don't think they'll be last, and so it's it's just kind of somewhere in the middle there. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be painfully unspectacular. Uh, it's going to be middle of the road average team again, much much like last season, uh, and I I don't think that's going to be enough for for Lawrence Stroll. I think he's going to be. Uh, He's going to be a bit annoyed with with how things pan out. I really hope they have a better season. I really hope that that Sebastian Vettel can can show what he can do still uh, from those early years at Ferrari and show that he's still got that. And uh, and Lance Stroll, we we've, we've proved that you know the amount of time he's been in Formula One now, he can string a result together. If he's in a car that can that is up the front, then I have no doubt that that he can win races if the car is capable of doing that. But it's just they they just need to give give the guys a car that can do this and the the difficult thing for me is that, that this team has been perennial overachievers for their entire existence and and to now um have this this budget and then this this kind of what certainly what seems from the outside i mean i haven't seen drive to survive i can't say for certain but uh but the you know certainly for what seems from the outside this dictator type figure that comes in and and if you don't agree with him then you're out the door and um and and bringing in different people and bringing his own people and the whole DNA of that, you know, that team, uh, that team Midland Spiker Jordan racing point force India team that that DNA seems to be gone now. And, and it's now this, this big conglomerate um, corporates Aston Martin and, and, they appear to now be the team that pound for pound are probably one of the worst on the grid with the budget they've got and the and the what they achieved last year it was not good at all so uh they they need to make a step forward but looking at you know evidence wise so far i mean if 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 alpine are, are looking particularly um alpine and and alfatori looking particularly average i can't see aston martin being better than them which is just a bit of a disappointment really from from an aston martin perspective and uh, i just i can't see where this is where the improvement's going to come from and if they can't get if they can't get it right now when they've basically not had to design a car for two years when are they going to get it right and it's a bit worrying really to be honest and uh, and i hope i'm wrong uh, for certainly for for vettel's perspective because i want to see him do well but I, I think potentially he could be looking for for passages new next year potentially potentially replacing a, a spanish guy who's going to who's going to be feeling a lot of el pain this year in my opinion so um yeah it's it's just yeah it's just so hard to read with with aston martin so um yeah i i just yeah i i hope they do better than they did last year but it certainly doesn't look like it from my perspective 
It'll pain for Alonso. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you never know what might happen. I mean, Alonso's not going to stick around in Alpine if they don't perform. There would be a seat there. Who will fill it? Who knows? I mean, the, the logical choice, some might say, is Pierre Gasly, but we know that Ocon and Gasly do not get on. So um, so that is an unlikely combination to happen. But, uh, yeah, uh, Aston Martin are a very difficult one to read. They've gone from when they were the fit, you know, Force India and Racing Point, they didn't have a manufacturer behind them. They were just that entity. And it was like, yeah, it's great to see them in Formula One. They'll get the odd podium, they'll get solid points. And that and that for them was like, this is amazing. Um, but now they're Aston Martin, you know, they need to be up there, they need to be getting podiums, they need to be winning. You know, that, that's kind of what they, they have to be doing. That's what Lauren Stroll and the people that Lauren Stroll works with, you know, that is what they'll be expecting, you know, not, not hoping for, that's what they're expecting. So how they get on is going to be, it's going to be crucial to the future of that team and the drivers and everything. It's, it's a massive season for Aston Martin as it is for Alpine as well. Um, And as well, it could be a big season for Williams as well. It's a new start in terms of the regulations. They had a much better season last season. They were in a solid eighth, which is not where Williams want to be. Of course it's not, but it's a lot better than they had been doing in other seasons. However, they've lost George Russell. They've gained Alex Albon, who is a decent driver by most accounts, as is Nicholas Latifi. I mean, how how do you how do you see them getting on away in this season? Because testing, they've been all right, not spectacular, but then again, that's what testing's all about in a way. Um, I can frame this two ways. Um, I, I remember, you know, back in the in sort of early Mercedes, well, yeah, sort of 2017, I think, um, Mercedes days, one of the uh, sort of marks of their car uh, was their ability was the fact that um, you noticed that between Hamilton and Bottas at the time, their times were incredibly similar. And if you take a look at the actual times that uh, Williams have done, um, you'll notice that uh, Alex Albon is only 0.6 of a second on a on a, on a slight, uh, on a one compound, uh, faster tyre uh, than Nicholas Latifi. They've both done about roughly the same amount of laps um, over the three days and you know, th- th- that could shape up um, to be sort of a, you know, an incredibly promising scenario as, you know, I've been on about Alpine having, having you know, the ability, that, uh, so one of the biggest bu- uh, budgets on the grid and, and all the wind, wind tunnel time that they could deal with. Um, if anything, Williams are also from this positive perspective at least um, in an even better position with you know having be, obviously like you say being eight having the most wind on time having you know having the 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 largest cost cap i think um one of the largest cost caps that they have uh, obviously new investments from doroton capital yos capital uh, coming in maybe understanding the sport a bit more um yeah it's an incredibly positive outlook um and then you see things like nicholas latifi stopping on the third day i think it was the third second or third day um with cake tins on fire because you know they are on both sides and that's not that's not a grabbing caliper that is probably a design issue where something's been catching and rubbing and there's and uh, and has combusted um and then you've got obviously the damage that was caused by that uh, and then the subsequent um fire extinguisher efforts um th- that's the way sort of reality crashes the party and they've got 258 laps uh which is not a lot it's you know it's it's two thirds of Mercedes, basically, um, you know, and, and that's not engine performance. Clearly, that's not that you know, that's not like they're running a different engine or or they or anything like that. That is um, like for like, and I think it, it's the sort of alarm bells because you know, Williams have sort of missed the modern era, as it, as as was put by David Coulthard a few years ago. Um, you know, from 
sort of 20, you know, we haven't seen a competitive Williams since about sort of 2006 onwards, um, if we're lucky. And it, it just feels like 15 years down the road, 16 years down the road, sorry, um, they could potentially have had a slight change to the rules, got on top of it in one sense, um, and just and just had a complete misfire. Um, and we could be, you know, waiting years before we see a, a Williams at the front again, if we do at all. Um so I, I'm, I'm concerned. Um, Alex Albon, as you say, good driver, spent a year in DTM driving GT3 cars, which in some ways are, you know, are, are kind of similar in the way you have to drive them to these new Formula One cars where they're, they're a lot more point and squirt. Um, and Nicholas Satifi knows what he's doing. He's a solid driver. We've, you know, ragged on, on him a little bit for being unimpressive, but the guy's, you know, decent in a car, um, won't stick it in the wall. Um, but I, I'm not sure how much confidence i i uh i would place in them right now i'm 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 not sure that i i fully agree with tom's statement that you know the midfield to the back is is all sort of one big glob um based on what i can see um you know as much as i think they'll get on top of the issues i don't i don't see a massive amount of um uh sort of positivity here because if you can't finish race because you've got sort of issues with your brake discs um you know that that can cause obviously massive issues and they've only got a week to sort it really um obviously that would go right to the priority but i i, I think that there's that there's there's some promise there but also there's some there's some real pitfalls that M- williams could let yet fall into uh, williams and mclaren struggling with the brakes around circuit like bahrain as well where brakes are extremely important it's one of the hardest circuits of the year on brakes got four massive braking zones i think as well so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they get on i'm i'm hopeful i'm hoping that they'll be they'll be better but i think the lack of george russell will hurt them because obviously that kid's unbelievable i'm so glad he's in the stage obviously but williams will be uh will be gutted at that no disrespect to alex album like i said he's a good driver but he's not on george russell's levels not not many drivers are on the grid in my opinion um but we'll move on to uh, to Alfa Romeo next. And I was actually quite surprised to see they're up there in terms of laps. They're fifth in terms of laps at Bahrain, um, but not that far behind Mercedes, only about 40 laps or so behind them. So in terms of that, it's quite good, Adam. We have seen some problems from the Alfa Romeo. I think uh, Bottas had an oil leak on a, at the end of uh, one of the morning sessions when they were doing that practice start, which was a bit... I don't know if it's funny or just a bit tragic, really, for the guy. He doesn't seem to get a break in that regard. Um, but yeah, two new drivers at Alfa Romeo. We've seen the car. It looks nice. In, t- in terms of performance, though, what can we expect? Because obviously they've got a rookie in the car as well in the form of Grand Ujo. Um, Well, they had a difficult first test in Barcelona. They didn't get a lot of laps in. I think it was, they might have done the least or Haas, one of the two. Um, But this was much smoother for Alfa Romeo. I think if you looked at the mileage, they'll be very, very happy with the performance of their car. As you mentioned, George, they had a few reliability issues with Bottas. I think he had to stop twice um, with hydraulic issues or something like that. Um, but overall, I think it's fair to say that Alfa Romeo looked like they've got on top of the majority of the issues that they had at Barcelona. In terms of the outright pace, I think there were Bottas's fastest time, I think, was only half a second off of Charles Leclerc. I mean, if you looked at that um, f- without any caveats or anything else, I think Alfa Romeo would be delighted to only be half a second slower than the Ferrari uh, going into bar, the Bahrain Grand Prix, albeit, you know, at, but, you know, with Alfa Romeo, they tend to be the, the team that tends to exaggerate the performance a little bit more than everybody else in terms of the how close they run to their true performance. So we kind of have to take that with a pinch of salt uh, and rain on their parade a little bit. Um, 
I would be surprised if Alfa Romeo turn up to Bahrain at the very back of the field. I think they've certainly got closer to this midfield battle with the cluster of midfield cars that we've seen. Again, where they fit into all that in terms of the outright pecking order, it's hard to say. But I think overall, they've definitely made some progress in this next test. And I think they'll be quite positive going into the uh, first race of the season with what they got. Yeah, they're an interesting one, Alfa Romeo. Look, looking at the evidence, you'd say they've definitely improved a lot since Barcelona. The reliability of the car is a lot better. It's just like somebody has to be last. It's a reality. There's 10 teams in the championship. Somebody has to be last. And it's very hard to pick who will be that. Uh, Alfa Romeo being one of the favourites. I've heard that pe- some people saying, yeah, they are going to be the worst team. But it- it's hard to pick at the end of the day. And in Valtteri Bottas as well, they do have a, a, gr- a good driver, especially at that kind of level. I know we've obviously we've obviously you know given the guy some giving the guy some crap, giving him some insults basically for some of his performances in Mercedes. But in a midfield car like that, like we saw in Matt Williams as well, I think he'd feel a lot more home. It's a new start for him there. I do think he'll get off to a good start there. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Um, so we mentioned nine of the ten teams. Last one is is Haas, who I don't think I don't know if you've mentioned, but they do have a new a new old driver in a way. They brought back Kevin Magnussen to replace Nikita Mazepin. Obviously, it's been it's been a very very tumultuous, uh, very turbulent, or that's the word I'm looking for, yeah, a very turbulent pre-season from they've lost the title sponsor, they've lost one of the drivers, they've replaced one of the drivers now. Um, but how do you see them getting on, Tom? It's it, it, They've had all of 2021 to develop the car. In theory, they should be a lot better than what they were last year, but it's a hard one to read for them. Saying that, though, Mick Schumacher, he did get the second fastest time in testing, which I know obviously you can't read too much into it, but it's got to count for something. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can't read into it. You're absolutely right. And given that he set that, obviously, it, when there was there was no traffic, the track conditions were at the absolute best they were going to be. The same thing with Kevin Magnussen's quickest time as well. So absolutely can't read into that. But I am actually very excited about Haas this year and, and what they're going to bring to the table. They, f- f- for the first time in a few years, well, certainly since not not the same as last year, is they do not have the worst driver lineup on the grid. Uh, they have a better lineup than at least one, potentially two teams. I think their lineup is stronger than Williams, for example, my opinion. Um, but uh, it, it, I just think that they've they've definitely got more of more opportunity to come forward this year the the whole team as well seems to be on a much happier happier place the toxic influences are now been ejected from the team obviously in in very uh, difficult and uh, and um, depressing circumstances but the the positive to come out of that is that this team is now fresh and away from those toxic influences and and they have a guy back that they never wanted to let go in the first place in Kevin Magnussen I'm sure if um, if they'd have had their way they'd have got Grosjean back as well but I think he's having too much of a good time in America I don't think he would have he would have left even if they'd have asked him um, but uh, getting Kevin Magnussen back is uh, is absolutely brilliant I never considered it myself as, as an option I know he was he was tied into other contracts but uh, but they were certainly contracts that could have been got out of and um, and given that they've now got Ferrari personnel like they have their own area in Marinello that they're working out of, and they have um, ex Ferrari personnel that have been deemed surplus requirement due to due to the uh, budget cap and everything. They've they've obviously been moved sideways into Haas, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was some um, some uh, conversations between uh, former work colleagues, should we say, without exchange of information. Certainly, some uh, some philosophy conversation may happen uh, at times. I think it's in Ferrari's best in, best interest for Haas to be competitive if they want to get a a 
good gauge on how Mick Schumacher is as a driver and whether he's a viable option if things go south between Leclerc and Sainz. They need to do that this season. And now being alongside Kevin Magnussen, that is an absolutely fantastic yardstick for them. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be up there getting podiums for the you know, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think they are they are in that in that clump and they are in there in a position where they are going to be getting points. And they are going to be competing for points. And uh, and I, I completely get what you were saying. I mean, you're allowed to have a different opinion about Williams. And uh, I, I understand that. I just think that they have pace now. Um, and But Haas have that pace as well. So it, Williams may well end up being last. Uh, and I don't think Haas are going to be last, which is which is great. I mean, we... We didn't expect them to be last in 2020. Uh, I know they weren't, but we didn't expect them to be at the back in 2020. And they really, really were. And uh, they, they were right back there with Williams and just and then haven't developed from that point on. So with two years budget behind them, a fresh start, you know, back to the um, getting Kevin Magnussen back in, lots of new employees, new regulations set. I think everything's looking great. And, and Gene has seemingly, is seems to be willing to put the money in now because... The Formula One teams, given the popularity, the way it's grown in the last two years since they signed up with these deals with uh, Ural Kalai and Nikita Mazepin, they've, um, Formula One team value has skyrocketed. The equity involved in Formula One teams now is so much greater because because of the budget cap and, and the fact that it is now a viable business model. And, you know, you look at Red Bull can now afford to pay Max Verstappen £15 million a year. Uh, and I'm sure Perez isn't on chump change. And and they can still make it a viable business venture, even with spending that much money. You know, the, the sponsorship that they've got in covers their entire, you know, the entire contract of Max Verstappen. Basically, um, <laughs> Oracle are paying Max Verstappen's wages and then the rest of the car is all just profit. So it's, it, you know, Formula One is big business now and Gene Haas would be a fool to sell it and would be a fool to not put money in because it's gonna he's going to get that money back and then some. It's, it's a, now a viable business, Formula One, and... And I can see, you know, I've heard that apparently Andretti have approached Haas at least twice in the past and made an offer for the team. And Gene has told them where to stick it. So uh, it shows that he's committed, which is great because I, I want to see, basically, I want to see 24 cars on the grid. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but um, it's good to see that Haas are now going to be, they're going to have a purpose. Um, and the same, you know, my, my favorite team from last year, Alfa Romeo, they've now got a purpose as well. And it's great that we actually have these, the, these teams that now are fighting for something. And I just, uh, and so Haas, this is the most excited a bit about Haas in a long time, probably since the Australian Grand Prix when uh, when they had the two cars in the points and then they lost them in the pit stops. Uh, that's that's the last time I was that excited about Haas. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing how Haas go this year. So uh, yes, um, I'm going to go for points in, uh, in in Bahrain for Haas. That's how confident I am for them. That could that could be considered a bold prediction. That we'll get into those very soon. Um, but yeah, Haas are an interesting. I mean, they've, they've had a cloud over the teams ever since 2019, ever since the whole Rich Energy thing, ever since the whole Mazapins thing. That is all gone now. That is all in the past and it's not coming back. And I'm very glad for that as well because they need it. They need that kind of boost. And having K-Mag in the team, that's great. I, I mean, they might not get on, who knows? But I I really hope that Mick and uh, Kevin really get on. I, th- I feel like they'll do quite well. There's a, there's a, real, there's a real talent in that. They've got a real, I mean, I, I think Madison is a, an underrated driver. I do think he's a really good driver on his day. And obviously Mick Schumacher, you know, we know he's talented, especially with his dad is at the end of the day. He's got, he's got some serious talent like kid. So it'd be very interesting to see how they get on. There's some really interesting team battles out there between new teammates. I'm very interested to see them. Um, so yeah, we've gone through all 10, all 10 teams now. Um, let's get into our predictions. 
it's going to be very tough. This is going to be the hardest predictions we've ever done, I think, on, on the Grid Top podcast. We've never gone through a regulation change while I've been on the air since 2019. So to, to predict this, it's a very difficult one. It's a very difficult one. Um, but given everything that's happened in testing, I'm going to I'm going to go for three different teams on the podium just to mix it up. I'm going to say I'm going to say Max Stafford for the win. I feel like Red Bull. I think they're just going to edge it. I think Sir Lewis Hamilton. I think he'll be up there in second. So if Hamilton and Stafford on the top two again. Something's changed. Something's stayed the same. And I'm going to go for Charles Leclerc in third. He's very good around Bahrain. He's uh, he should have won there in 2019. And that Ferrari is a very quick car. Maybe not the quickest, but it's going to be up there. Maybe, maybe they'll get pole position as well on Saturday. I'd go for Charles Leclerc for pole position in my predictions. Uh, most polls, sorry, for the season in my predictions for grid top. But uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, Owen, what is your pudding prediction? What's your top three? I should have brought a hat up here so I could just pull numbers out of it. Uh, <laughs> and then we'd have been, uh, we'd have been better sorted with that. Um, honestly, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> you know, I can't. I do agree with Tom. Actually, I was I was quite sad that I didn't get I uh I didn't get a chance to talk about Haas because I'm I think they've accidentally uh locked themselves into the position of the season uh, for for where they're at. Um, and I'm gonna go with. I think Mick can probably, if he's lucky, can get onto the uh can get onto the bottom step of the podium. Yeah, Bahrain's always a bit of a crazy race at times. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen that recently, and I don't. I think I think that you know there's there there might be a little bit. You know, reliability, few clashes. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with Charles Leclerc for second, uh, and I'm back in. I'm back in McLaren. I'm back in McLaren. I'm going to go with uh, with Lando Norris for Lando Norris for the win. Uh, I think he's obviously had, he's had 200 laps around Bahrain in that car. He's had, he's had the most. He's had the most in a car of anyone. Um, he could do well. Whoa, well, that's uh, I mean, I don't oh, have wait, to ask wait, you sorry, bold to do the bold predictions later. Yeah, those, those are all bold predictions. Bar for Charles, I mean, even Charles Claire second, that's quite bold. Nick Schumacher never scored a point in Formula One, but you're going for him for, for a podium 15 all at once. And uh, Lando Norris for his first win in Formula One, you know, what? I'd love to see it. That That is just an absolute crazy factor that I don't think anybody can predict. <laughs> put, put, put that you're on, put that on, yeah, put that on your racker. That's what I mean. <laughs> You you would win a lot of money. You'd win a lot of money if it won. But I feel like it's the kind of odds where if you put five pounds on, you may lose five pounds. But we'll see. Um, <laughs> Adam, try and follow that. What's what's your top three predictions? I mean, I don't think you think you can follow that up. I thought one was just joking around there. Like, I thought, okay, like at some point he's going to go April Fool, but we're still in the middle of March. But uh, I mean, wow! I, I certainly hope that that podium comes sure, wine with Mick Schumacher. I mean, no one's a bigger fan of his than mine. Obviously, you know, connections to his his dad, etc. Big fan of his when I was growing up watching F one. Um, I, I'm going to be boring. I'm going to go for a more uh, likely looking podium, if I may. Um, I'm going to go with Max to get the win. Uh, I think the Red Bull do look like they've got the best package and in Max's hands, it does look like those upgrades are really going to do the trick for him. Um, and then I'm going to go for Ferrari second and third with uh, Leclerc's and Sainz in that race. I think Mercedes might still, you know, I'm sure they'll find some sort of solution to help them. Um, with the porpoising issues that they've had and obviously the sacrifices and performance they've had to make to sort of compensate for that. But I think we may have to wait a few races before we see Mercedes sort of understand their car concept a little bit better. And then when that time comes, obviously then 
or you know, he's going to be quite an open championship. But yeah, I'm going to go Max to win, followed by the two Ferraris in second and third. Fair play, that could easily happen. Ferrari do look like they've got a very solid car, and we know they have two very solid drivers as well. Tom, what's your podium predictions? Oh, well, I, I think Red Bull will have the quickest car, so I think it will probably be Verstappen on pole. But uh, I just got this feeling that something's going to happen and uh, and it's going to be a big, big fireworks on the first race and something's going to happen straight away. It's going to just throw everything up in the air and I'm going to go for a Charles Leclerc victory. And, uh, and I don't think Verstappen's going to be on the podium. I think something's going to happen. There's going to be a coming together or there's going to be some some kind of safety car thing that's good and then everyone's going to call conspiracy theory this is FIA trying to level the score from last year or whatever something's going to happen uh, which is going to put Verstappen back in the pack or out of the race so I'm going to go for a Charles Leclerc victory uh, from from an unlikely third on the grid or something like that um, and then it's difficult I think probably probably Perez on the podium um, maybe maybe third place with yeah cheeky Lando Norris in second place there we go uh, that that's more out of hope than expectation to be honest but uh, but yeah it's uh, yeah I'll go with that I'll go Leclerc Lando Perez it can easily happen this is the this is the beauty of the uh, regulation changes none of us really know what's going to happen obviously we've got the fastest times we've got all these lap charts but we don't know what they were running we have no uh, race data from from these guys at the end of the day, um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see what happens. Um, ball prediction time. I mean, I, I'm struggling with this one. My old my old go to was of course uh, to go for George Russell for the points. That is no longer a ball prediction. That is an absolute <laughs> not a certainty, but that is what you absolutely expect to happen. Um, so. I mean, I kind of alluded to it before. I don't think it's that bold of a prediction, but I'll say. I'll say Charles Leclerc for, for pole position. Um, he's, he did it a few times last year. The Ferrari's looking pretty damn good. How it is over one lap, you know, remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go for Charles Leclerc for pole position. Not to win the race. I think he'll fall back. I think Ferrari don't quite have the ultimate race pace, but who knows? They might do. They might well do. Um, Owen, I feel like you've gone for a few bold predictions. You can go for another one if you like, but don't feel any pressure, mate. Uh, I, I, I did just look quickly look up or try to look up uh, what the odds on... Uh on that podium finishes and Will, William Hill won't tell me. Um, <laughs> They're not offering odds. It's that unlikely. They're just <laughs> like, you can't have that, mate. <laughs> Other betting services are available. Please gamble responsibly. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go with... Stop, stop. I'm going to go with an... Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go with an Aston Martin for the win. That's that's my bold prediction. I don't care who it is. Just an Aston Martin get, get, will get the win. Can't be doing this. We can't be edging bets already. This, like, I, like I said on you, uh, you, Five you, Light Red Lights podcast, this we is can't what be doing this. This is what happens when you cram up an F1 fan for two months. This is like just all this stuff comes out. <laughs> they start seeing things. They start seeing hassles on podiums and all sorts. It all just goes. It all goes crazy. You know, they start imagining things. So. <laughs> What's your bold prediction? Well, I mean, you know, forget Drive to Survive. I want to watch an F1 season scripted by wine. <laughs> I mean, those predictions are brilliant mate honestly i want to i want to see more of that um bold prediction i'm just going to get it in there mick schumacher scores points uh for Haas in bahrain i think that's a reasonable one i think i think that's more than reasonable it, it's fairly bold given the past of Haas and the past of schumacher he's never scored any points but not for lack of trying so i'd, I'd love to see that. that's a very feel-good moment that i think it's definitely possible as well um tom what's yours what's your bold prediction well, that was actually going to be my my exact bold position there for, uh, for, for bold prediction there for Adam. But uh, oh, sorry, Tom, but, I had so to I, get it in there. 
Oh, all right, well, I'll go one step further and double double points finish for Haas. There we go. Ooh, I like it. I like it. it I was, I was, consider- I was considering saying Alonso slowest on pace, but I didn't want to trigger the entire country with Spain. Oh. <laughs> You've already, you've already, yeah, you've already done it with El Pain. Yeah, like, I, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't. There's certain countries we do not get many downloads from, and I'm pretty sure Spain is one of them. Um, I wonder why. I just want to point out both of those, uh, both of those predictions uh, line up with mine, so it's all good. It's all going to yeah. go well. <laughs> yeah, loosely well, they do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. If it, it like Adam said, if if it races anything like Owen predicts, we are in for an absolute treat to kick off 2022 for the one season. Uh, but yeah, uh, so th- those are our predictions. Those are our bold predictions. Uh, I'll give you ch- guys a chance to plug your outlets as well. Uh, oh, wait, let's start with you. Where can people find more from you? Um, if you like something a bit more, uh, somehow a bit more serious than that, um, <laughs> make sure to check out my uh, my meme reviews. Uh, there's obviously all the uh, all the ones from uh, last season, apart from, apart from the uh, <laughs> races that were a bit too far in, in on the West for me to do uh, reasonably. Um, and they're back for this year. I'll commit to that. Um, they're back for this year. Um, they're even going to be they're going to be even crazier. The writing's going to be worse, uh, and you can read all about them on SportlightPro.com. <laughs> Yep, definitely check that out. Uh, Tim, I've mentioned that you are the host of the DN- DNF1 podcast. What is that and where can people find it? Uh, yeah, so uh, similar to Grid Talk, DNF1 podcast, uh, we talk all the uh, talking points in Formula One. We review and preview the races. And uh, you can find us on the DNF1 YouTube channel. Just type in DNF1, you'll find us. We've got our Bahrain preview coming out tomorrow, which, of course, similar to this episode, we'll be talking about testing. And uh, we've got a pretty exciting guest on that episode. So if you want to find out who that is, you'll have to tune in and check it out. That's going live tomorrow. Sounds good. Yeah, I've been on that podcast. It's a great show. Um, and another great show as well is the Monkey Seat Podcast, which uh, Tom hosts as well. Yeah, yeah, you can catch me and me and Carl on the Monkey Seat. We're uh, we're just a bit bit more casual, laid back version of uh, of what you guys are doing here, and we just just sit back and have a laugh about Formula One, basically, and uh, don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, and also doing uh, stuff for Grid Talk, doing the fireside uh, fireside chat series as well. We got a we also have an exciting guest on on Wednesday coming up, which uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say who it is. Uh, I'll just say it anyway. You can always cut it out in post, and the live audience can get it as a scoop. We've got Richard Reddy from uh, from Mist Apex on on Wednesday, which is uh, which is really cool, and that's a really fun chat so uh yeah go tune into that yeah absolutely i was going to mention about that as well we do have the fireside series going um tom usually hosts that i've hosted one as well we interview guys that are interested basically about formula one uh, and also we will have another fireside as well i don't know if it'll be a fireside or a regular episode but it'll be our 2022 season predictions that'll be coming out uh that'll be coming out on thursday i think i actually have down that it'll be uh that episode that you mentioned tom will be out tomorrow um so by the time this goes on the on the outlets and stuff it will probably be out pretty soon after that uh so yeah busy busy schedule for sure and we'll be back on saturday as well to do qualifying we're doing the same format as uh, as last season we'll be doing reactions to the events about an hour or so uh after they actually conclude uh so for the race uh sorry for no for qualifying we'll be there on saturday at 5 p.m uh the race a little bit later on on sunday i believe it'll be we'll get all the details to, to you guys as well and if you want to check us out on our outlets as well, obviously we do uh, we do live stream these episodes on YouTube. Normally, just go to F1 Grid Talk on YouTube, you'll be able to find us. Uh, we also are available on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Verbal, Omni Studio, Pocket Cast, and the F1 Chronicle website. Just search for F1 Grid Talk and all those where you can chat. Check out our back catalogue of over 170 episodes. We're going to hit 200 comfortably this year. We've got a lot planned for this year. It's going to be a big year for, you, for us. Hopefully a big year for Formula One as well. 
And uh, yeah, we'll see if speeds very soon. Thank you, lads, for joining us. I really do appreciate it as always. No worries. No Thanks problem. for having us. Yeah, and we will see you on Saturday for the regular show coming back. We'll be reviewing uh, Bahrain qualifying. Will we have a better idea of where the cars will be by then? Probably, but it's going to be an exciting race for sure on, on Sunday for Bahrain. So yeah, see you for the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>